Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is David McGuire. And I am Eric Brickmont. And I am Brian Moriarty. We're sorry to interrupt your podcast this evening, but we come to you with a very important message. Are you tired of hearing the squeaking of our chairs? Are you tired of hearing a distant echo in the background? Are you tired of hearing my lips smack the moment before I talk? I know I am. But you know how we can fix that? We need help from you. You see, Rome was not built in a day. It was built over many months, and also with lots of money. And lots of marble. We don't actually need the marble. No, we don't need it. It'd be nice, but... Okay, let's just stick to things that we actually need. Okay, sorry. Okay, thank you. Anyways, if you feel like you want to help us with our squeaking chairs or massive echo and Brian's incessant lip smacking, please go to www.nerdonomy.com. Click on Donate, where your money will go to helping our nerd cave thrive and helping Brian get over his speech impediment. And to go to our need for lots and lots of Hot Pockets. We must have the Hot Pockets. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Eric. Where's Kevin? Oh, right. Whoops. Eric? I swear, if you ever, ever do that again, my back is so sore right now. All right, wait, 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 wait. Something more important. Kevin, hold on. Do I want to know? Yes, you want to know. Have you folks ever heard of Wa Chang's gold? I'm sorry, Wang Chung tonight? No, no, no. Wa Chang. Wu-Tang Clan? No, 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 no. Focus. Wa Chang's gold. Wa Chang? Who's who's watching? It is one of the most sought-after treasures in the world. Guys, just trust me on this one. All we need to do is board a plane to China. Come with me. Oh, God. All right, Eric, fine. This time, only. I'll grab my passport. And our adventurers traveled all the way to mainland China, and then took a boat to Alaska, and from there walked into Canada, then took a bus to Los Angeles, and found themselves in a precarious situation. Eric... Okay, seriously, now we've come all the way down here to Vasquez Canyon, and we are stuck in a cave and tied to chairs. Eric, I trusted you this time. You said this wouldn't happen again. What is going on? <sighs> I don't know. If only there was somebody here who could help us. Whoa! Oh, oh, who is that? Oh, my God. What, what just happened? I'm here to save you. What? Who? What? Who are you? Hey, guys, it's me. Oh, Brian? Brian? Oh, jeez. How was, how was the sex cruise? It was amazing. It kind of changed your voice a little. Yes, it did. What wow. happened? <laughs> I had a second puberty. Oh, Good for okay. you. Can, can you untie us, please? Of course. Great, thanks. <clears throat> oh, I think, I think it just says something in my throat. Okay. Anyway, let's get out of here. Right. No, 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 no. no. We're here to find Wa Chang's gold. Oh, yes, Wa Chang's gold, of course. Wait. Wait, what? How are we the only ones that have never heard of this? I don't understand. What? Guys, guys, guys. Eric and I are history buffs. We know these things. Exactly. It's okay. We'll figure this out. Yes, if only we had something, though, that could pinpoint it. Because I know it's here in this canyon somewhere. Wait, wait. I'm on it. A sonic screwdriver? Of course. Of you course. Would. You would have that, Sarah. Sure. You would. Mm-hmm. Over there. Perfect. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. It's more beautiful than even I imagined. Wait, there's not more to it? Eric, what is that? What do you mean, what is it? It's it's the communicator that he designed. You're wait, serious? Wait, wait, who's he? Wu Chang. 
He was the prop designer for Star Trek, the original series. He's the one that came up with the whole gold-topped flip communicator. Are you freaking kidding me? Son of a bitch. You told me you knew what I was talking about. I was lying. Oh. Well, still, it's... We went through all that for a toy? It's not a toy, it's it's an action. Well, what are we going to do with his body now? I'll take him back to his wife. She can deal with him. You're listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, David McGuire, Sarah Ashley, and Kevin Satorius. Welcome to a very special episode of both Nerds on History and Nerds on Film. Double Ladies and gentlemen, I crossover. am Brian Moriarty. Welcome back, sir. Welcome back. I'm glad to be back. I really missed you guys. My life felt like there was without center while I was gone. So. Well, welcome back to the center. Thank you. And I love how uh, decked out the nerd cave has gotten in my absence. It has evolved. It looks great. We got comic book stuff on the shelf. Love the Wolverine. Love the Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein poster. You're That's welcome. Freaking awesome, guys! We should tweet pictures of this to the, our fans because this is awesome. And the TARDIS door is now complete with its recording light above yeah. it. Yeah, uh, and ready to um, go. I was not on a sex cruise for those who weren't listening the past few episodes. Liar. I. By the time you get this episode, depending on when you get it, um, I will be either be three days from or just having graduated from college. Huzzah. Huzzah. Yeah. Huzzah. Yeah, finally. Huzzah. Took 10 years, but it's okay. So, and I want to thank you guys for giving me the time to finish that very important part of my life. Well, I want to thank uh, David, Sarah, and Kevin for joining me in Nerds on History and being my co-hosts each week. I got to say, three completely and totally stellar episodes Thank you, guys. Except for the time that you left me in Egypt, Eric. I can't forgive you for that. Yeah, you guys did okay. (laughs) What are you talking about? My episode was awesome. Yeah, it was okay. Wow. No, you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And to describe the... Actually, I loved all the episodes you guys did. They were fabulous. To describe the murderous look of rage on Sarah's face right now, um, I don't think words can quite... And all of a sudden, all the sound in the room just went away. (laughs) Everything everything was gone. (laughs) Yeah. Then she woke up with blood all over. So anyway... (laughs) This happened again? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I'm glad to be home. Cool. Welcome back. You're not the only one, because I do believe um, some of our listeners quite missed you, and some of our listeners also had some rather fantastic things to yeah, say about you. Yeah, we did. Corrections and feedback, yeah. Sarah, one of our listeners, wrote a very touching email, and I'd like to read it out to our audience. Hey, Brian, I just have to tell you that I was so moved by everything you were saying on the latest NOH podcast. I went through almost the same exact situation this time last year with my great-grandmother. She was the matriarch of my whole family, and I not only had to see her on her deathbed and say goodbye to her for the last time, but also had to walk away and wrap my head around the fact that my family would never again be the same as I had known my entire life. It's an extremely painful thing to deal with when you were talking, and I could hear so much emotion in your voice that I had literally choked back tears. Thank you for sharing that. I'm so sorry for your loss. And on a lighter note, I had no clue about the April Fool's episode, and I was freaking out when I was listening to it, and all those insane facts, so at the end I was laughing my A asterisk asterisk off. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you can say asterisk on a, uh, on a podcast. Yeah, I think this it's is a clean banned, podcast. I think it's banned by the FCC. <laughs> Moving on. Also mad at myself for getting duped. All in all, though, one of the best April Fool's pranks I have ever come across. All in all, I just wanted to tell everybody at Nerdonomy, great job. Love what you guys do. Keep up the good work. 
or at least keep on not sucking, as Erica said. <laughs> P.S. Can we please see some video of you guys podcasting in the Nerd Cave? Please. Oh. I don't know. Sarah. Sarah, I got to let you know. These, We're working on it. These guys are heinous. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. Totally my kidding. acne has been breaking <laughs> out the last few months. <laughs> ruggedly and amazingly handsome. Sure. No, I'm pretty much heinous. <laughs> Rugged. <laughs> um, Sarah. I'm what, yes. talk about this. But, uh, okay. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Ashley, I have to tell you, I'm sorry. You're 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 possibly no longer my favorite, Sarah. <gasps> that letter. Dum dum dum. I'm just kidding. You guys are like equals now. Equals. Wait, what? <laughs> Hold on. We talked about Egypt, man. I'm I'm out of this one. Sorry. No saving you at this point, Eric. I am confused and I'm hurt. I respect this other Sarah, but there will only be one me. Okay? That's true. Only you and I could do the English episode. Sarah, this is true. <clears throat> Sarah out there, we await your rebuttal. <laughs> and welcome to Catfight. <laughs> <laughs> Which we will videotape in the Nerd Cave. Shut and then up. share. Get oh, out of here. What? Get out of here. <laughs> okay, now we're just being stupid. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that was actually a really, really sweet piece of, of listener feedback. Yeah, and Sarah, thank you so much. That was actually very moving to, yeah. to read that. And thank you for holding on a few weeks, because I know you had sent that, but obviously we wanted Brian back here. So that he could read it, because yeah. it was really, it was really too bright. Yeah. All right. Also, we have some important news to talk about because we did our first ever nerd outing. We were well, not really our second nerd outing because our first nerd outing was the Rosicrucian Egyptian Museum back in February. This is our first nerds on film outing. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. All the nerds were at the early screening of Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, all the Except nerds minus Sean. Sean minus he was with us in spirit. May he live long and prosper. He <laughs> <laughs> just saw it today. And he said it was amazing. Yes. So, very cool. And I'm pretty sure that we all enjoyed it. Yes. On some level. We all agreed that we was enjoyable. Yes. I enjoyed it. Eric? Eric has some hangouts. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was not, however, the movie that I wanted. However... I still enjoy the movie that I got. Fair enough. Good. Now, we will not devote the whole episode to this occurrence. However, we decided to do something unusual, at least for us, and we did a little Nerds on the Street segment where we interviewed other nerds like ourselves in line waiting for the movie before and after. And now, Nerds on the Street. Hello, nerds. This is Brian Moriarty. Moriarty. We are standing in line for the first showing of Star Trek Into Darkness. And to my right is my Nerds on History companion, the trekkiest Trekkie I know, Eric Brickmont. Yes, indeed. In fact, remember, we created a whole religion around this, so it's, it's, it's beyond that now. I'm a Trekkist. This is a holy day for us. Every, every day after this, we'll be celebrated with a feast yeah. um, of pizza and or hot wings, your choice. And, hot uh, pockets. Hot pockets. Hot pockets, are, are, pockets are always there. They're for the commencement ceremonies that, that begin the whole evening. But yes, we're in line. There's a decent enough line. We've been here for about... Uh, almost three hours now. Yeah, and the movie starts in about an hour and a half from now, and we wanted to really do a man-on-the-street thing for Nerds on Film, so we thought it'd be kind of fun just to be uh, amongst our kind, ask some questions. And it's kind of cool, because we're surrounded by people who we actually know listen to the podcast. Oh, my so, God. I know. First time to actually lively interact with our fans and maybe even get them on the show. Well, we should, we should ask one of them if they want to talk to us about things that relate to Star Trek. Hey, guys, you want to talk to us? Yeah! <laughs> First of all, let me just comment on uh, the regalia we have in the, in the line. So, uh, Eric is adorned in a full-on Commander Riker outfit. Uh, even though that's from the Prime Universe, it's uh, quite striking, I gotta say. Indeed it is. Yes, I, 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 uh, I've had it for about 12 years. 
It's my it's my best quality uniform. I could wear my original series, but I've lost 30 pounds and I don't fit into it anymore. So this is the only thing that fits. So the reverse of John Price. Yes, I'm actually reversed. Uh, uh, the timeline has been changed around and to the opposite direction so that I'm no longer... I'm now Jonathan Franks as a, as a younger version. So this is actually like the picture of Dorian Gray. Somewhere in the world, Jonathan Franks is getting heavier. With every pound you lose, he gains it instead. That's been happening for quite a while. <laughs> Pretty much since the end of Nemesis. And actually a little bit before that, I'm convinced he was wearing a girdle. But anyhow. <laughs> Why did you just make a fisting motion? It felt right. I don't know. I see. <laughs> All right. That's fine. And that's right, nerds. You're hearing uh, fellow Nerds on Film co-host David McGuire. Hey, everybody. And so anyway, I'm just going to kind of bring around the circle. How's that sound? Uh, hey, Richard, you've been listening to the podcast for how long now? Uh, since the beginning. Uh, I think you were maybe two episodes in when you told me about it, so I didn't have much to go back through and listen, but yeah. How does it feel being with awesome people? It feels magnificent. I mean, I don't think awesome is a good enough word, quite frankly. That's great. And that- this is why I had you write down questions prior to us getting in line. <laughs> okay, I gotta say, I love your shirt. Enlist as a red shirt, it only hurts for a second. This is a brilliant t-shirt. I think only followed by a close second by the, the red expendable shirt that uh, our buddy Jeremy's wearing right now. So, uh, what are you most excited about? Uh, I think I'm most excited about seeing uh, a new take on... A new villain. I, I I think that's what makes um, each one of the Star Trek movies unique. Is you know the um, hardships that they come up against. Uh, seeing it be, makes them sort of episodic. You see the same characters deal with different situations, and that's what brings out new things in our favorite characters. So I'm really looking forward to uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's new character. Uh, Richard, I have a question for you. Uh, defining moment in Star Trek for you. Uh, that's a very good question. Um, no pressure. <laughs> I know, right? There's like... It's not like we're conducting an interview or anything. <laughs> I, I know, right? Okay, you're hardcore of a Trekkie enough for this. Defining monument of season four of Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Sarek? Mind melding with Sarek probably has to be right up there. Yeah, that was a good one. That was, that was pretty epic. Yeah, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Which is why I'm now conducting the interview. Brian, uh, I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, it, th- that episode was clearly the pinnacle point of season four. Shut up, David. Uh, how did you feel coming out of Best of Both Worlds? Because for me, the following episode, Family, I thought was one of the best episodes of TNG history. I just thought the, the, the fact that we brought it back to Earth, we brought a human side to Picard now, because we saw this vulnerable side of him. Now we see the real family side of Picard. Feelings, thoughts, comments? I'm with you on that. You don't normally see it in The Next Generation, or it really, original series Next Generation and Voyager generally didn't show you uh, the, the consequences of different events. Uh, we, Picard was just assimilated by the Borg. Now we have to see, how does he come back from that? Uh, you don't see that in television nowadays, because they'll, uh, the things more or less are now um, not as episodic. They're more continuous. And so uh, that, that type of television has sort of gone away. And it was uh, it's very uh, strange for Star Trek to actually do an episode like that. Richard, thank you very much for your thoughts. Much appreciated. I'm going to hand it back over to Brian now because he looks like he's trying to grab the phone away from me. <laughs> All right. Now, Eric, I got to say, you know, you are my best friend, but you are not the first hardcore Trekkie that I met. Our friend Jeremy is, uh, is, is pretty hardcore. I'd say his encyclopedic knowledge is at least equal to mine, if not occasionally surpassing mine. So I, I have to say, if, if we could find him, if he's suddenly here, wouldn't that be great if we could interview him? 
Jeremy, what are you gonna... <laughs> it's amazing. Jeremy just beamed in. I was going to how... say, I was thinking the same thing. That's unbelievable. And so, Jeremy, and by the way, we got to say, we were commenting before, your, your red t-shirt that says Expendable is brilliant, by the way. Uh, welcome to the show. How you doing? Doing all right. Yeah. Glad to be here. So, tell me, what was this been like for you, seeing the whole universe be reiterated through J.J. Abrams' uh, mindset? I think a lot of my uh, friends I've known for a long time are into Star Trek were very upset by the first movie. They didn't like it. And uh, I think what makes Star Trek unique is Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future. And that most visions of the future are very dark. They're dystopian. We've ruined our planet. It's after some big war. It's a very dark future. And Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future was very optimistic. That we better ourselves as humanity and the future is better. And that was his vision of the future. And I think what the first J.J. movie missed was that kind of that vision, that philosophy of, of that uh, Roddenberry. I felt if it was like Star Trek without Gene Roddenberry. I liked the first movie. I thought it was good. I thought it was entertaining. It was worth my $10. I saw it multiple times. Uh, but it was different. It was a different flavor of Star Trek. I never really felt like the world in Abrams' universe, or his version of Star Trek, was all that different. I mean, it was definitely a grittier aesthetic. But I never really for once felt like we were living in a dystopian version of the Star Trek universe. No, but, but the other part of the other component is that Star Trek was always a way of what good sci-fi does to wrestle with moral or philosophical issues of the day translated into sci-fi to make you think about what does this mean? You know, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to have freedom? What does it mean to have free will? Those kinds of questions. And uh, I think the Next Generation got that right and the original series got that right and DS9 got that right but I didn't feel any of that in the J.J. movie. I mean, what's the moral dilemma in that one? Right. It's pretty much just, do you believe in no-win scenarios? That's, that's the moral question in the movie. That, 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 that's, that's it. That's, that's pretty much it. It was a good action movie. It was, I was faithful to the characters. It didn't ruin any of the characters. Uh, so I was happy with it. All right, sir. Thank you so much for sharing your insight with us. And listen to the show finally, please. <laughs> Back in line... Uh, we're at the front of the line, actually, with the very first people, the people who beat me, and I thought I was early. Uh, so what's your name? Michael. So, Michael, how long have you been waiting in line for? About four hours. Well done, sir. Well done. I appreciate that. Uh, I've been a Trekkie pretty much my entire life. I grew up with Star Trek The Next Generation. How were you introduced to Star Trek? Uh, Next Generation in 1988, 89, 89, 89 I guess. I think is when I started watching it. So considering the new series has gone off in a little bit of a different direction, it's still technically in the same universe, but now they've kind of bridged, branched off into a parallel universe. What are your thoughts considering you've been watching Star Trek for so long? How did you feel about the first movie? Um, thought it was really good. It was a little different. Uh, upgraded technology. I didn't really care too much about the differences. I just thought it was fun and interesting. What about the fact that the phasers flip around in order to do a stun or kill? That was the one thing when I was sitting in the movie, I looked around, I was like, ugh, I don't know if I can forgive that one. I thought it was a little strange, but I didn't care. It was kind of a nifty little effect. That was, that's... So, considering you liked the first movie, what are your hopes for the, for the next one? Uh, well, based on the previews, it looks fun. Um, <clears throat> I'm hoping, actually, un unlike a lot of people that I've, that I've heard about, I'm hoping that it's not the genetic, genetically enhanced people, uh, just because they've done that a lot. They did it a lot in the original series, they did it in uh, Enterprise, 
it's cool, but I want it to be something different. Um, and it looks like it'll be fun either way, but I'm just hoping it's not the genetically enhanced people. When I saw the, the, the last trailer they released, that's exactly what I thought. Because I saw these kind of almost look like cryo chambers or something to that effect. And I was like, oh, we really don't need Khan to carry this movie. We don't need anything even slightly Khan-esque. Um, and I really hope they don't go that direction. Yeah. You know, I gotta say, sir, your regalia is pretty good to his, too. But you're, you're using, you're actually in the original timeline. You're looking like very much like Captain Kirk right now. Tell us, what's your name? My name is James. James, and tell me, how long have you been a Star Trek fan for? I've been a Star Trek fan since uh, the Next Generation series. Um, in probably the early 90s. Awesome, very cool. There's been a lot of mixed feedback about J.J. Abrams' re-envisioning of the Star Trek universe. What's your take on it? My take is that it, it's exciting to see somebody try to, trying to revitalize the franchise. The franchise has gone stale. Uh, we haven't really had like new fans. Um, I mean, I think the traditional fans have had a hard time kind of getting the excitement out to get a new series all started. So I'm hoping for even a new series. Okay, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I think some people say that it doesn't do the the original justice, but I, I didn't see that when I saw the movies, so... Yeah, there are some things that make me cringe a little bit, which is non-canon. And, you know, I, I accept it because it's, it's his vision of how Star Trek could be, and who's to say that our Star Trek is the only timeline? True. James, thank you so much. Much appreciated. Yeah, Alright, enjoy the show. And we are joined by another one of our fellow nerds, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kevin Sutorius. Hello there, nerds. Sutorius. You sound super excited right now. Oh, could I not be? Uh, it's J.J. Abrams, it's the Star Trek reboot, and it's IMAX 3D. You cannot go wrong. There you go, a trifecta for you. The trekfecta, as one might say. The trekfecta. You heard it from us first. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the Star Wars Episode 7 full-length feature trailer uh, in front of Star Trek Into Darkness. J.J. Abrams is going to completely blow everyone away. I'm so excited. Psych. <laughs> I, I do believe you are living in a in an alternate reality, sir. Uh, very possibly. Have yeah. you seen the therapist yet? Because this level of delusion has not yet been seen. I'm sorry, I don't need to see a therapist. Yoda has my back. All right. <laughs> All right. You gotta be very careful how, how loud you speak right now. I know, right? <laughs> you know, we've been surrounded by a bunch of people in costumes, and I was relieved to find someone else in a gray hoodie like myself. So it's good to see that one of my own is here. A, a moderate movie fan, but I'm not so much a hardcore Trekkie. What's your name, miss? Megan. Megan. Oh, that's an awesome name. How long have you been a Trek fan? Uh, for Since I was a like, little girl, I would watch the old Star Treks, and uh, Captain Kirk I had a big crush on. Um, I Who didn't? Jealous. <laughs> I, always, I was always jealous when he hooked up with one of the ladies on the show, you know, but um, he sort of inspired me to always want to, like, become an astronaut at that point, but, of course, you know, dreams, you know, are just dreams sometimes. I didn't go to neurophysicist college, so, um, anyway, so I moved on from that dream, but in the meantime... I watched Star Trek, I watched Next Generation, I watched all the ones up until this point, and then I would have to say the cast of this series of Star Treks are probably uh, some of the best versions of Star Trek, I mean, from the early on, I think. Did you have kind of a defining moment in the movie that really stood out for you? I would say the Shaun of the Dead guy, right? I think he's perfect for that role, and he's, you know, the comic, you know, but then that kind of brusque, 
he can get stuff done kind of attitude. You know, he was perfect for it. So I think that him and then Kirk, you know, I think Kirk was a perfect you know, characterized version of Kirk from when I was younger. Megan, you are an awesome person. Thank you so much for sharing a few moments of your time in line with us. I'm on too much, but you know, it's great. Not at all, not at all. You know, with nerds, we tend to always gather together. It's almost like there's an unspoken magnetism. There's, a, there's an energy that draws throughout the universe that brings us all together, and there are certain pivotal moments uh, where that, that pull is far too strong. And we, we, and we all gather together, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it turns out I ran out into one of my uh, film school friends. Hi, my name's Saul, a merchant. Uh, I went to film school with Brian, and I'm mostly a casual Star Trek fan. Mostly a casual? Okay, so given that you're a casual Star Trek fan, what are you most excited to see tonight? Um, Abrams, mostly, because from the previews, it, it kind of has a feel of a Star Wars film in terms of scale. Right, I agree with that. Yeah, it's got a little bit more of a grittier tone to it than with the traditional Star Trek universe. Considering Abrams has now been slated to be the uh, the director for the the revival of the Star Wars franchise as he goes into Episode Seven, um, do you feel more enthusiastic because of the work that he's done in Star Trek? Yeah, I mean, he he's originally a Star Wars fan, and I know a lot of Star Trek fans hate that about him. And well, now he has a bigger budget, so we can see what we he can do with it. Like, I know the um, first movie that he did had the same budget as X-Men Origins Wolverine. And we all know how that film turned out. Thank you so much for your thoughts. We appreciate the interview today. Hope you enjoy the show. I will. Oh, I will. Alrighty. I'm here with uh, Steve Martin, of all people. Perhaps not the Steve Martin, but a Steve Martin. And I'm assuming a, a Star Trek fan. Oh, definitely. Yes. Uh, for me, it was a really, really early introduction. Uh, I mean, I was probably still in diapers when I was being introduced to it. What's, uh, what's your history with Star Trek? Um, my family gathered on the couch from the very first episode of The Next Generation uh, all the way up through Enterprise. Um, kind of weaned a little bit through Enterprise and then went back afterwards and watched them all again and wished we hadn't weaned so much, but... Yeah, I have a kind of a similar experience. My father watched the very first episode of Star Trek on his black and white TV in college and was hooked ever since. And so when I was a kid, I was surrounded by it, obviously. Uh, and now that I have children myself, they're all watching Star Trek with me, too. So it's kind of a nice little family builder, I think. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about Abrams' take on Star Trek in the last movie? And kind of, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on what you might be seeing tonight? Um, I was super irritated. Um, I wasn't expecting it to go in the direction it was. I was thoroughly irritated that things went down as they went as far as the storyline. And then uh, my kids kind of gathered me back into it again and said, go back and rethink about what's going on. I did, and I'm pretty cool with it now. Um, I think I'm on pretty much on board now. I'm excited about it. It's a new, faster, just newer generation way of uh, getting people into it. So I'm, I've jumped on board. I'm excited about it. I had a very similar thought the first time I saw it. I went back, saw it again, and I thought, you know what? It's actually nice because it will get people who aren't generally interested in Star Trek an opportunity to see what else is out there and go back and revisit the other series. So thank you so much, Steve, for joining us. Uh, I hope you enjoy the movie, and I admire your comp badge. It is far shinier than my own, so uh, that's always <laughs> a good sign. Thank, thank you so you much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
as I've been saying, I, I felt a little uncomfortable being around all these people with Star Trek outfits, and yet I'm so relieved when I see guys who are not in costume. Normal, uh, it, normal people, exactly. Yeah. So please. We just forgot to bring ours today. We came straight from work. It, me too. Me too. So please, uh, what are your names, guys? Uh, my name is John. Awanese. Awanese. Okay, cool. And how long have you guys been Trek fans? Since the very first episode showed on television. Oh my God! How old were you? Oh my God! That's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, okay, so if you can't remember, we're pretty much your entire life, we're going to yeah, say? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's Probably 1969 for me. All right. Awesome. Yeah. That is so great. Tell me, uh, what is your guys' take on Abrams' reimagining of the universe? Done a great job. I think it's fantastic. Um, I saw him in an interview live at Cinequest, and he talked about it, and uh, I think he's the biggest fan as anybody else. And to get the opportunity to do the, to do the films again, he was quite excited. At least that's the way he's appeared. I think the storyline is great, but it deviates from Gene Roddenberry's original premise. So in that sense, I'm a little disappointed, but it doesn't stop me from watching it or getting immersed in the storyline. Yeah, that's the one most common thing I've heard, is even the people who acknowledge that it's not necessarily true to Roddenberry's original vision, they can still separate it from the original and still yeah, take enjoyment from remember it. remember when after he died, Rick Berman started deviating back in Deep Space Nine. And that whole storyline took a different course. So we had plenty of time to get used to it. But that's just the way it is now. You know? Sir, you are my hero. <laughs> I, I have been saying this for many of years. I agree. I couldn't agree um, more. I, I've been a Star Trek fan since I was a child. Uh -huh. And I've grown up with it. And I'm now honored to introduce it to my children as a new generation who are, who are involved in Star Trek. Joking aside, I tell my staff at work, there's so much you can get out of Star Trek just in general life. You know, there's episodes involving the Mirror Mirror was about how civilized and uncivilized people behave. And that's where you find it in business as well. There's a lot of great context in real life. Yeah, we got to get going because the line's going in. But, th dude, thank you so much for your interview. Much appreciated. Thank you. We are in the theater 20 minutes before the showing. And finally, the nerd circle is complete. I am present, finally. I got here from work. Yeah, traffic must have been a bitch. Uh, traffic wasn't that horrible. It was mostly waiting because my ticket wasn't being printed. That's awful. It didn't retrieve it, but guest services helped me out, and here I am, and Eric's getting me an icy. That's great. Well, folks, we're going to turn it off now, and we will be getting reactions from the people after the movie, all right? All right, we have just concluded watching Star Trek Into Darkness. I think there will be some mixed opinions amongst the nerds. Actually, I happen to have an audience member right with me who we interviewed right beforehand. Richard, would you like to say anything? Well, are we doing a spoiler-free podcast here, or are we, uh, does it matter? Let's keep it spoiler-free, yeah. All right. Just what, what were your thoughts? Um, it sort of felt to me like a comic book movie. Like, it was almost like uh, we're going to take some source material and put some, you know, happy, some of your favorite moments and try to put them together, you know, sort of like a, I don't know, classic reboot as, as opposed to this in-universe reboot that we have in the Star Trek universe. All right. Interesting. Cool. Well, thank you. Sure. We have hunted down a group of fellow nerds who have just gotten out of the movie Star Trek as well. Uh, do you guys care to share your names? Bryant. Caitlin. Ryan. James. Okay, so without giving away too many spoilers to our audience, please, what were your general reactions to the movie? I liked it. It was pretty good. Okay. Uh, I thought the first one by J.J. Abrams was better. Okay. It was more plot than I was actually expecting, so it was, it was good. <laughs> well, that's always a good thing. It was good. I enjoyed it. Okay, great. Any uh, moments you took issue with without giving too many away? Nothing I can really talk about. Gotcha. There's a few little things. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if I... There, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> well, your reactions are very telling. That's the, the, 
I think that's even more interesting than just you guys saying what's going on. So, cool. Brian, I have a reaction for all the listeners. Yes, Eric. I don't know what to think. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We've got Megan here who was uh, in line with us at the beginning, and we just caught her on the way out of the theater. So what did you think? It was brilliant. Yeah, well, Cumberbatch is awesome. Yes. Yeah. Uh, overall reaction to the movie other than that? Um, I would say it's definitely in line with the first one, if not better. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. I really enjoyed it. Good. Yeah. Good. All right. I don't great. know. I don't have anything else to say. That. That's fine. We try, we're trying to keep it spoiler free. So <laughs> yeah, okay, thanks. Okay. Have a good night. Hi. Can you please state your name? I'm Somia Kandakuri. Somia. Wow. That's a great last name. Uh, so tell us, what were your reactions to the film? Oh, I thought it surpassed even the first movie. Like, you know, that first movie was so mind-blowing, but this just went above and beyond. It was incredible. Awesome. Thank you very much. Anything else you'd like to say? Um, I just think J.J. Abrams is so talented, and I'm, I'm so happy that they've been able to redo the franchise in such an amazing way. Great. Well, thank you for your opinion very much. All right, Jeremy, my biggest Trek friend, I'm very curious to know, what was your thoughts on the film? I didn't like it. You didn't like it. Okay. Can you list a reason without giving too many plot points away? Sure. You have reestablished the universe, changed the timeline, kind of reset everything. Why would you, beat for beat, story piece for story piece, just retread what has done before. You can do anything you want. Why do over something that's already been done, like story point for story point, and do it not as good as it was done the first time? You make a very interesting point. And that one, I think that's a point we will definitely discuss in our next episode. Uh, anything else you'd like to share, sir? I'd like to share some criticism that, that's spoiler-free, but you might want to do that as a separate piece. Well, oh, sorry, that has spoilers. That has spoilers. That's nice. No problem. We will maybe save that for a future episode. All right? Thank you, sir. We are now talking to Tariq, yes. who has guested on our Nerds on History episode as fake Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So tell us your reactions to the film without uh, giving too much away. I thought it was an action-packed joyride. Um, I literally was, like, dodging in my seat. Not just because it was in 3D, but obviously because it was just, it was totally action-packed. It's still leaving me baffled. Like, literally, I, I have questions in my head. I want to see it again. Um, you know... You've got to let it process. I, I'm in yeah, kind of the same mindset. Marinate, you know, like, marinate a little bit. Um, Anything else you'd like to say, sir? Go and see it. It's amazing. Even if you're not a Star Trek fan or Trekkie, it's awesome. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, I think this is definitely playing to that crowd, indeed. All right. Well, thank you very much, sir. Yeah, thank you. All right. Would you please state your name for our audience? Uh, Steve Budnick. Steve Oh, first and last. All yeah, right. First and last name. Fearless. Absolutely fearless. All right. Well, the women are going to start hunting you down. So tell us. Uh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> tell me. First off, general reaction to the movie. I loved it. You loved it? Yeah. Okay. Did it meet your expectations? Yes. Okay. It continued the same universe, you know, like I thought it would. Um, it was a bit predictable, but it was still very enjoyable. All right. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, you're welcome. Eric, my friend, my compatriot, in Nerdum, you seem very upset. I, I'm, I'm experiencing a, a wide range of emotions right now. I think you're in shock. I am I'm partially in shock. Partially, I'm very entertained right now, I will tell you. I, I was very entertained with the movie. I was also rather infuriated with certain parts of the movie. Just for the record, fans, I have heard Eric express three totally contradictory opinions of the film within the past ten minutes. <laughs> That's because I am going through a, a, just a range of emotions. But I, I did enjoy the movie. I will see it again. I will see it again, however, for a different reason than I normally want to. 
the first Star Trek movie, I wanted to see it again because it was fun and I enjoyed it and I wanted to see it again and again. I also enjoyed this one. It was also fun, but I have to see it because I'm trying to process what was shown to me. And I have to understand why they made some of the decisions the way they did. And perhaps, perhaps by viewing it multiple more times, I will be able to see why they did what they did and why they didn't make the obvious choices that I will be emailing J.J. Abrams about. I think that's an excellent way to close it. You know, this has been a very interesting Nerds on the Street segment. And uh, please share your opinions with us on Twitter at Nerdonomy and, or email us at thenerdsatnerdonomy.com. Well, there you have it, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. Our first foray into journalism with uh, those interviews. Those were fun to do. Those were really fun. They were super fun. And I want to thank each and every one of you who took the time to talk to us in line and come on a podcast that uh, you had never heard of before. And I hope that uh, now you'll keep listening and enjoying the episode. And uh, who knows, folks? If you live in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, we are going to be seeing more movies in the future like this. There'll be more opportunities to be interviewed by the nerds. And you might just be that lucky person waiting in line. Yeah, we, we also want to thank uh, a couple of our regular listeners, Richard and... Jeremy. Jeremy, for sure, uh, who listened to our show on a weekly basis, and they were able to be there present with us. And uh, we look forward to, I think, Man of Steel is going to be the next time we do Nerds on the Street. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly, on yeah. I mean, knowing birthday. how hardcore Superman fan I am, that would be blasphemy for me not to, to, to do right. that. And it's on my birthday... Hooray! That's awesome. Huzzah! You should all buy my ticket. I'll buy you the popcorn. Sweet. I'll buy you the ridiculously large-sized icy that you bought me at Star <laughs> yeah, we Trek. Each, we each, like, so it was the cheapest thing we do, and the, each of us came back with a missile silo full of soda. <laughs> <laughs> and about, me for about, I drank about a third of it, and by about 20 minutes, I was like... Yeah, you, you actually I had, ran out of the theater. I was, you did. You ran. And then it was actually really funny because David and I were laughing because when you cut in front of all those people and you like ducked down, but you like ran really fast. <laughs> there was actually a couple people uh, behind me that uh, chuckled too because it just looked like you were half wobbling, <laughs> half running. You kind of did a little penguin wobble. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. <laughs> Is that how Superman flies in your head? <laughs> no. Okay, good. <laughs> So I, I also want to thank each and every one of you for following me on an amazing journey around the world to find a, uh, a oh, prop. Shut up, Eric. We I all still know have, it's a I have rope burns on my wrists from that and not Eric. from something else. <laughs> Eric. I had to chew glass to get my voice that grovelly. Eric, there was a gun pointed to my head. <laughs> but it, it was full of blanks. It's, it, it was okay. <laughs> it's all part of the experience. What experience? The experience of adventure. The kind of adventure you might find in movies. What movies do you mean? I don't know. Maybe like National Treasure. Oh. Do I detect something? I think it's our Segway! Yeah! Wow. Oh, yeah. Synchronized Segway. <laughs> <laughs> that should be an Olympic event. <laughs> Two guys on Segway. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Wozniak coming out of nowhere on his Segway with the polo mallet. Hello! No, 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 no. You got seven people in a row, and then as the person in the middle goes goes down the middle there, they all kind of break off and start twirling and around and synchronized. Oh, it'd be beautiful. I propose this for the 2014 Winter Nerd Olympics. Okay. I like it. Consider it done. I'm going to get in training. I'll see you guys later. 
I think we'll include that. And there's also triple curling. <laughs> triple curling. <laughs> triple curling. <laughs> but they're all distracted because they're so cute. So everyone just gets down on the ground and pets them for three hours. <laughs> yes. National anyway, treasure. <laughs> Sorry. Let's segue back into our segue. So the reason why we're doing a joint episode is because... It's a movie with quasi-historical relevance. Yeah, how can we talk about National Treasure, which is a, if anything, a fun movie. Entertaining, absolutely. A fun pair of movies, because there were two of them, um, that are, you know, historically rooted, yet the history on it's a bit dicey. So Dicey to say the least. So let's just, we decided, let's call in Eric, let's have everybody here... Minus David, because he bailed last minute. Shame on you. <laughs> I know, I'm teasing him. David had uh, a last-minute project he, he had have. to work on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And he just got to finish it up, so it's okay. No, I compl- I don't blame him at all. I'm just teasing him. It happens. But didn't this topic also come up from listener feedback, if I'm not mistaken? I could be mistaken. I, just I wanted... think you're mistaken. Okay. No. Never mind. This, not. One, this... There was, this well, one was directly from listener feedback. Was this one really? Yes, it I'm was. I'm very this certain one. that this was. And we yeah. all got excited about it, and we were all going to like try to watch it, it together. It was one of our male fans. I remember that. I can't remember who it was, though. Listener. I was probably drunk. We read, <laughs> it, on, we read it on the air. I was probably... Well, I don't remember. Matter, right? Yes, you are probably drunk. I remember drunk. everything. Probably drunk <laughs> and drunk right now. <laughs> listener, we apologize for not only... Not remembering you. I apologize. Not knowing your name. I apologize specifically. However, kudos to you. Excellent suggestion. Terrible movies, but excellent suggestions. But this is why it's fun to just, just debunk it, right? Yeah. Here, here. Okay. I wouldn't say terrible, though. I would say entertaining. No grade. Just entertaining. I will say the second one was terrible. I will say the first one was entertaining. First one was entertaining. Second one was why? But it's the why? book of secrets. No, that's what I was thinking the whole time. I would say that the why? second one was unnecessary, but having that, I, being that I just watched it again today, I was mildly entertained. Well, the thing about the second one is there is like no historical basis for it whatsoever. At least Whoa. with the first one. No, seriously, the book of but, secrets. Come on now. <laughs> Come on, Riley had it right. <laughs> I love that guy, by the way. I know Riley is awesome. You know what he's in right now. What is he? I, I didn't notice the new it, normal. The new normal. He's the new normal. Yeah. Yeah. Martha uh, got me watching that, and it's a great show. And I had no idea because he was so much younger. He looks so much His name younger. Is Justin in Bartha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. but you know that uh, Riley also got lost once in uh, Las Vegas, and the second time in uh, Bangkok. It had something to do with this movie franchise called The Hangover, if I'm not mistaken. Poor Riley. He just get yeah. lost in the second one. It was the, Oh, he got kidnapped. He got kidnapped in the third one. In the he, third one. He was in the second one, but they mm-hmm. had to find the best man of Ed Helms. Something like that. It was like his brother-in-law-to-be. I didn't yeah. see the second one at all. But, I did, uh, but it was very clearly forgettable. Very. <laughs> that's what I heard. Clearly. That, that is what I heard. That being said, what I was going to say was that even though... I felt like the first one tied together lots of known legends, and the Book of Secrets is more of a pseudo legend. It's, I mean, it's, it's conspiracy it is a legend, theory. but it's more of a conspiracy theory. Yeah, exactly. It, it is a conspiracy theory, although there are aspects of it that do have the historical basis, the the resolute desks. Yeah, et I mean, for crying out loud, Christopher Pike was president. Eric, oh, I was gonna say that. I, come on, Christopher yes. Pike, president? Sure, you got my vote. AKA actor Bruce Greenwood, mm-hmm. Admiral Pike. Mm-hmm. As, that's how I will always know him now. <laughs> Just saying. Anyhow. And you'd be wrong. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, what I am saying, though, is that <laughs> the the second movie, I have so many more issues with. The first movie, it, like Brian said, at least they tried to tie in some actual myth, real myths, not just these 
phony little things that have been created since the internet's been around. I mean, something with actual historical substance that they can at least manipulate right. and change. But understanding the real history behind them, in my opinion, is far more interesting. Yeah, well, they took three disparate ideas. Solomon's Treasure, uh, which is popularized by Alan Quartermain, of course, another Quartermain. adventure character, the guy who was arguably the basis for Indiana Jones. They used the Knights Templar, of course. Yep. And then, of course, they tied that into the Freemasons as well. Yeah. Uh, which there's only speculation that the Freemasons that are connected to the Templars. I don't think that I don't think the Freemasons. There, there order, are so, you know. there's from what I understood, there are some people of the Freemasons who will say that they are direct descendants of the Knights Templar. But they don't. The, but, the but Templars and, but had more no in, direct. But more in a sense of like philosophy and spiritual guidance. Right. And this, then yeah. yeah. The movie kind of makes the estimation that the Templars eventually morphed into the Freemasons. Right. Whereas what the reality is, the Masons, in one of the many rites and rituals that they have and many of the uh, the teachings that they uh, subscribe to, one of uh, several of them are titled after the, the Knights Templar. Mm. They're not actually directly connected right, with right. the Knights Templar. They wouldn't want to be. I mean, the Knights Templar doesn't exist anymore. They were essentially taken care of by the Inquisition. You know, they were they were, were wiped out. And they were not put in comfy chairs, mind you. No. They were put in actual, horribly uncomfortable chairs. Mm. Well, nobody expects the, the Spanish, Spanish Inquisition. Inquisition. There, is, there is some speculation that some of the Templars escaped that um, purge that was, you know, incurred by the Pope. Uh, actually, not by the Pope, King Philip of Spain. Uh, or was it King Philip of France? It was, it was King, King Philip, Philip V of France. Of France, of yeah. France who basically put pressure on the Pope to execute the order because the, the Philip was mad that the Templars were getting as rich as they were. Yeah. I think he might have even been in debt to the Templars. Yes? Oh, well, I was just thinking maybe we could reel it back a little and sure. actually give a synopsis for the first National Treasure movie. For those who don't know about National Treasure, go ahead. Oh, no, Kevin, go. Why don't you do it? I was going to do it. You just saw it. Right. You, you know what? It? Actually, Eric, you raised your hand so politely. I'm going to let you do it. Just because I feel like the first 15 minutes of the movie are the second most ridiculous part. The last 15 minutes are far more ridiculous. Mm -hmm. However, so the first part of this movie starts out with uh, Nicolas Cage, who is playing a treasure hunter, who, as a child in his flashback, has brown eyes, yet somehow morphed into having blue eyes as an adult. It can happen. I don't <laughs> it, can happen. it can happen. My eyes used to be very blue. Now they're grayish green. So it can happen. That, that brown. doesn't count. That doesn't count. <laughs> Yes, it does. I can count. One, one, <laughs> two, two, three. Uh, Blue, uh, green, uh, gray uh, are like, uh, all, uh, or uh, like uh. a different light shade of, of eye color. Brown is totally different. All right, contacts. No, I'm sorry. Yes, contacts. He had brown eyes as a child. He had blue eyes as an adult. I can't believe anyway. we're having a nerd battle about his eye color. Mo Seriously? <laughs> moving on, moving I on. I blame the script supervisor on that one. <laughs> he oh, has excuse, me, excuse me, shut up. <laughs> we're getting the shot. <laughs> it's the only kid we can find. <laughs> He was our best boy. No, the best boy is an actual person. <laughs> like an adult boy is an electrician, yeah. Damn, I thought he was a boy. Um, <laughs> so he has this conversation with his grandfather and finds out that his family belongs to this long descending line uh, of protectors of this uh, this secret that holds a treasure that the whole family's been looking after for looking after to find for a really long time. That was supposedly hidden by the founding fathers. Exactly. And connected with the Freemasons and indirectly with the Knights Templar because the treasure itself is passed down from the Knights Templar. Yeah. Uh, and they have all these really terrible flashbacks where they go back to ancient Egypt and they have pyramids that are so wrong, so not accurate Eric, in any way. Eric, Eric, <sighs> let me tell you, deep breaths. 
Deep breaths. Okay, I'm okay. I'm right. Eric, just remember, the mummy and the mummy returns. And you'll be okay. It was even worse than they did in that movie. But (laughs) the whole point is... Wait, wait, wait. Those movies are bad? Listen to the last episode. So, um, (laughs) So if you can just imagine, then all of a sudden we flash forward to this scene in the Arctic, which was actually filmed in Utah during a blizzard. But they go oh to the God, Arctic. Seriously? Yes, it was filmed in Utah. Oh, uh, and they go to the Arctic where the, uh, now the young boy's a grown-up man, and he's trying to find clues to the treasure. And they come across this ship, the Charlotte, which is supposed to be completely and totally compacted in ice for 200 years. And he's able to go over with this tiny little pickaxe and hack away for about 24 seconds, I counted. And sure enough, he finds the ship. It's just right on the surface, right underneath some freshly fallen snow. Well, because what are you going to do? Cut to, like, have it cross-dissolve of him? It's That's what we call dramatic action. Just to defend that one little moment for a second. If you have him chiseling through and through and through, when you're trying to get the first act going, you're going to lose your audience. So I can I can see why directorially they may have made that decision. Well, they lost this one audience member because that pissed me off. Not only that, but that ship would have been completely and totally compacted in on itself from the weight of the ice and from the movement of the Arctic ice shelf because it doesn't work that way, people. It's do- that's not nature. It's not nature. It's Utah. <laughs> it's Utah. <laughs> it's Utah. not nature. It's Utah. And Utah is apparently not natural. No. Have you ever <laughs> been to Utah? Well, I have, it was, actually. It was, it was the salt. Yes, the salt preserved it in the ice. And prevented perfectly. the ice from, from making such thick layers. Oh, Because we all know ice is acidic enough to melt. Yes. So they're in Arctic, uh. Utah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're able to very accurately and, and very safely um, access the ship. Because, of course, they just happen to be in the strongest part of the ship that's not going to cave in on itself. And when they get in there, they uh, end up finding this priceless treasure, this pipe with a special message engraved on it. And I'm sorry. I just I have to describe this because it's so stupid. They put it in a barrel of black powder. That's where it's being hidden. In a barrel of black powder. This priceless, necessary treasure that has this clue is being hidden in a barrel full of explosives. But, all right, so it's very obvious to me that, all right, so one, the captain in its skeletal form is found next to this barrel. For clarification, by black powder, you mean gunpowder. Gunpowder. Yes. Okay, okay, cool. One, you find that the captain's, like, skeletal remains is there. And the if you remember correctly, that clue isn't really buried deep in that barrel. So I'm, I mean, it was obvious to me that right before the captain dies, he puts it in that barrel and just, like, closes the lid. Like, did that never cross your mind? All right. Be that as it may. Why the hell does Nick Cage decide to cut his finger and put his own blood on it in order to find the message? Because he, he doesn't have, have a pen? No! <laughs> <laughs> Just no? <laughs> no self-respecting treasure hunter and or archaeologist goes around without a pen. Why is that? Because you got to write things down when you find things. You do have to take notes. Oh. He uses his uh, own blood. That's right. This movie came out before smartphones. Okay. <laughs> oh, so stupid. <laughs> He could have written that down in his razor. Come on. Uh, in his razor. <laughs> oh, my oh God. My if you got razor phones for yeah. a second there. Oh, razor phones. So anyway, the whole point is he finds this clue and it leads him on to all these other adventures. But the first 15 minutes are just... So nah, much dumb. So much dumb. It's so ridiculous. Well, I'm sorry, Eric. As much as I like to see Nick Cade bleed, <laughs> I do. I do enjoy seeing him bleed. I, I didn't need to see it in that moment. Okay. 
That was dark. Yeah. It was very dark. So, Eric, well, what's I, the synopsis I, of National yeah, Treasure? Yeah, that was the synopsis. That was everything that Eric hates in the first, first 15, 15 minutes. minutes. Yes. What's the actual synopsis, Mr. Brickmont? The idea is that uh, this treasure hunter goes, he finds clues to this hidden treasure that was hidden by our founding fathers, and he goes on an adventure actually to steal the Declaration of Independence. To prevent why? it from being stolen by somebody else. Correct. But why? Because he has to end up falling in love with the blonde girl. God! Because, aren't you listening? Because oh, so secretly engraved, or not engraved, written in invisible ink, basically, on the back of the declaration is a map mm-hmm. that leads, or clues that lead to this supposed boundless treasure. Of immeasurable wealth. Of immeasurable that wealth. That boosts America's economy so high that it never falls down again. <laughs> <laughs> the <Aww>. end. <laughs> Yes. Very, very interesting. So let's look at some of the aspects of it. Invisible ink did exist back then, actually. It absolutely did. They used invisible ink during the Revolutionary War. Well, you can use lemon juice as invisible ink. Mm-hmm. And if you put it to a flame, I believe, doesn't the, uh, the carbon basically cause it to... Uh... Yeah, if you create heat, it will become visible at that point. The, the Sons of Liberty serious? use this all mm-hmm. the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that, that part of the movie was it's historically accurate. Well, no, 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 no. Historically accurate as in it could have been done when they had created it. It could have been done at some point, yes. Right. Okay, that's the only part but that But nobody's I was saying, about. we are not saying that there's anything written on the back of the Declaration of Independence. That we know of. And good luck trying to steal that one. Yeah. Trust me, spectrographic analysis has been done on important documents for a very, very long time. And it's actually done more as a preservation technique than it is to find any hidden messages. It's meant to show weaknesses in the actual uh, material that's being used. Mm -hmm. It's used to essentially more properly take care of the actual piece itself. So that document has been examined over and over again and goes through routine curatorial inspection and conservation. So they would have caught it. Oh, absolutely. But would they really have revealed that information to the public? Conspiracy theory. Oh, conspiracy theory. <laughs> I like how you had to push up your glasses I did, when you said I that. I did. Nerd status. <laughs> if only to uh, to get more attention for the document itself, to sell some, some National Geographic DVDs and Blu-rays, and to actually encourage people to go to the National Archive to see the actual piece. Okay. I think if they ever found anything, that would be a big thing. I think right. it would become a huge thing in Scientific American and would become this great big uh, you know, worldwide attention grabber right, for right. you know two or three weeks or for however long <laughs> people decided to care about it. Yeah. And then treasure. Before we get to treasure real quick, okay. I, one thing that really annoyed me. Mm-hmm. So when they are revealing the, the you know how, uh, what's her name? Dr. Uh, Dr. What's her name? The girl. The blonde girl that he falls in love with. Diane Kruger? Yeah, Diane uh, Kruger. Abigail. 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 So Abigail's like, well, okay, if there's going to be anything, anything at all, we'll test the top right-hand corner because there'd usually be some sort of seal there to indicate that there would be something more to the actual document. Uh, And when they do it, they reveal that Masonic symbol. Yeah. The only problem is the Masonic symbol that they reveal has uh, the G written in the middle, and that wasn't used at the time of the uh, Founding Fathers. Mm. It was just the compass and square. They Mm. didn't use the G. That wouldn't have come about until maybe 60 years later. Interesting. Just throwing it out there. Okay. Maybe it was a concept designed for a future logo. (laughs) (laughs) Or the Masons stamped it before it got sealed in their security. Because, I mean, the movie postulates that the the Masons have always been watching over it in some fashion. We we find out that Harvey Keitel, spoiler alert, is a member of the Masons because he's got the pin on his jacket. (laughs) What a reveal! (laughs) (laughs) Nobody saw that one coming. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you, guys. We're going to take a quick little break, and you'll be able to listen to the rest of this episode next week on our Nerds on History podcast. 
Until then, I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Eric Brickmont. I'm Sarah Ashley. And I am Kevin Su-Su-Sutorius. Please go to NerdArmy.com, give us some feedback, maybe even donate some money to us. And until then, we'll see you next time. Same nerd time, same nerd channel, NerdArmy.com. And roll credits. Movie quotes you should never say during sex. What's in the box?